Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Again, I don't have any questions from our listeners, but that's okay. Because uh, there's a lot I want to talk about this film in. Which is ironic because when I was prepping for it, I was afraid that there wasn't going to be a lot that I wanted to talk about this film. Um, but yeah, this one actually had uh, ended up having quite a number of topics that I wanted to cover today. Today's film is an adaptation of a stage play. Um, uh, maybe one of... Hitch's more faithful adaptations. And the reason for that, Hitch said in many interviews, was because um, was he was working on another project at Warner. Wasn't really working, wasn't quite coming together the way it was supposed to. Uh, he felt kind of creatively drained and, and took on something he knew would take very little effort. And he said ended up actually becoming the one thing that he never really wanted to do, which was photographing people talking. Now, I disagree. <laughs> Um, I would say that this film actually uh, is one of Hitchcock's better films. Um, is uh, is a film that if that's Hitchcock coasting, um, then uh, that's not really fair uh, because it's it's excellently well done and is far more than just uh, photographs of people talking. I think. However, uh, this movie was Hitch's third film in color. Which was uh, sort of a sort of a controversial thing at the time. Um, the only thing I can probably think to relate it to was uh, the debate over film and digital uh, a few years ago. It was also his first widescreen film, which I'm which I'm sure uh, also had a bit of controversy behind it. Um, and it was his only film done in 3D, which I believe was ordered by by the studio, and he really had nothing to do. That. But it does show Hitch's ability to adapt with the times and his ability to embrace new technologies and new tools uh, that were very cutting edge at the time. Uh, and I think we all can learn from that to some extent. Of course, the movie that I'm talking about is Dial M for Murder. This is a story of a jealous husband who hires a man to kill his wife for him. But when everything goes wrong, he has to figure out a way to way out of the jam that he's created for himself. Now, this is based on a stage play. Very faithful to that ad adaptation. And so I want to talk about Hitch's... I want to talk about the way Hitch viewed the differences between stage and cinema. Because as many of us know, Hitchcock was, was born and raised in England, sort of the home of theater. And he seemed to spend a lot of time uh, thinking about what separated the various mediums of that era. And one of the things that Hitch refused to do, and you see this in Rope, and you see this in this movie, definitely, um, is, uh, is what's referred to in the industry as opening it up. He, he, he didn't open it up hardly at all. Opening it up would be taking the content of the stage play and pulling it out of the setting that the stage play was originally written in. So, for example, most of this movie takes place in, in, an, in an apartment. So opening it up would have been, you know, uh, for example, taking the conversation that the husband has with his hired assassin out of the apartment and putting it in a restaurant or a pub or something like that. That would be opening it up. Uh, and there's almost none of that in this movie. Uh, it is... It is very confined to the apartment, um, which is something that 
some of us might think would hurt the story, but the story was based there. So why would you take it out of that context? In fact, um, Hitchcock told Peter Bogdanovich in an interview, um, what you're getting when you get a hit play like Dial In For Murder is the construction of it. And the construction is what makes it a hit in the first place. And if you change that, you're ruining what you got when you bought the rights for the hit play. So he always figured opening it up was a mistake. It was a mistake to take that idea, which was meant to be within a limited space, and move it away from that space. And this isn't the first time he he, he shot something that was in a confined space. I mean, we've already talked about rope. Um, but he also did something very similar with a movie back in his uh, early British uh, talkie days, a movie called Juno and the Peacock. Uh, and there's another one um, that was in er- early American period called Lifeboat uh, that we haven't talked about either of those. Um, they're probably both worth looking up. I watched Lifeboat uh, at a f- relatively young age. Uh, I don't remember much of it. I remember it being interesting, to say the least. I have not seen Juno and the Peacock, but I do plan on watching that at some point. Um, well, and then and on top of that, there's another one of his classic movies that we haven't talked about yet, but we will um, actually in our next class session. Spoilers. Um, that is is uh, doesn't feel as confined, but really is just as confined a story in terms of setting and location. One of the illustrations, though, that he gives of of uh, of opening up a play, especially in a way that he felt was a mistake, was this idea of your characters arrive to their apartment in a taxi, and they get out of the taxi, and they walk through the through the lobby or the foyer or whatever it would be of the apartment building, and they go up the stairs or up the elevator into their apartment or into the hallway, and they go into the hallway and into their apartment, and then they get into their apartment and then they stay there. <laughs> Um, and just like that, you know, we're back in the stage play. So what was the point of setting up everything outside of the play uh, when you could have just opened with them in the apartment? And that's exactly what Hitchcock does in this film. Uh, that's an example of opening it up uh, that Hitch, Hitch used in several interviews and, and, and really felt would be a mistake in a movie. Well, in, in a story that doesn't call for that and in a story that was conceived within such a limited space. Now Hitchcock also talked about the differences between acting for stage and acting for film. Some of you may be familiar with this idea um, but for those of you who are not I'm gonna start with some things Hitchcock said and then I'm gonna open it up then I'm gonna open it up um, and kind of move into some of the experiences that I've had, some of the things that I've heard other people say um, that all really relate back to what Hitch said. So we're not really leaving Hitch. We're just tangentially moving in some different directions. Hitch described acting for stage as projecting expressions. This idea that in stage, you have to be able to communicate your character to everyone from front row, dead center, right in front of you, to the back on the wings. Well, not on the wings. I guess that's, I'm sorry, I'm not a, not a drama person. But, you know, back in the farthest corner um, 
away from from you physically as an actor. You have to be able to communicate to them. So you have to be able to communicate the last row. So you have to project not only your voice, but you have to project those expressions and those emotions all the way out there. So you end up being very, what I hear most people refer to as big. You end up with a lot of gestures and a lot of, you know, big displays of emotion. But that doesn't really sell in movies. And Hitch realized that pretty quickly. Um, he said that theater in, in theater, everything depends on pantomime. But in film, and we've talked a little bit about this already, this idea that it's in the subtleties. It's in the flick of an eye or the, or the driest, wryest smile you could come up with. But this idea that, that instead of projecting the emotions, we can move the camera closer to the audience. Or we can move the camera, the eye of the audience, closer to the characters. So you have this ability now as an actor, this freedom to actually shrink your performance and become what they call small. And to maybe communicate something through a slight inflection or the, the, the slightest of gestures, whatever that may be. Now that's sort of a brief summation of how Hitch felt that cinema was different from the theater. Now I want to talk a little bit, talk about this 3D thing because uh, the, it's the only time Hitch ever did it. You can pick up a 3D Blu-ray of this movie. I don't have a 3D TV or a 3D Blu-ray player, so I had to watch it in 2D. However, I read an interview where Hitch said that there's only two moments where the image on the screen actually comes toward the audience, that very typical gimmicky 3D action that we think of. And everything else was designed to create depth. But he reserved those two moments of bringing the image toward the audience, very specifically for two key moments in the story. Now, this is very typical Hitchcock. This is classic film directing. And he talks about this with a lot of other things, and I want to just kind of break it down to, an, to a very simple idea. As a filmmaker, you have, especially now, almost an endless supply of tools for storytelling. Let's just think about shot composition. You have wide shots, you have medium shots, you have close-ups. You have things halfway in between. You have the cowboy, you have... Uh, you know, the medium close, the medium wide, you know. Um, you have all these tools at your disposal just in shot composition, not to mention uh, height of the lens, you know. you want it shooting down on your characters or do you want it looking up at them? Uh, do you want the camera to move? Do you want it to move from a wide shot to a close shot, from a close shot to a wide shot? You have all these, <laughs> all these abilities as a filmmaker, all these, all these various tools in your tool bag and you have to figure out what best tells the story. So first you have to, of course, have an understanding of your story. But once you have an understanding of your story, now you have the ability to p start picking tools out of the tool bag. And you can choose the hammer. The problem is the hammer is not the best tool for getting a screw through a piece of wood. It's great for nails, not for screws. So now you have to figure out what tools you have and what the parts are and how to use those tools to put the parts together. That's filmmaking. This is problem solving, right? The best piece of advice that I've ever heard Alfred Hitchcock or any other filmmaker give is save your tools. Don't use the same tool over and over and over again because it can lose its effect. And that's exactly what Hitch did in this movie. He saved that ability to 
project the, uh, the, project the image toward the audience for only two key moments in that story. He saved those moments. Everything else was depth, was very blah, you know. And it actually works then because it also works well in 2D. <laughs> um, but he also talked about, in another interview, saving close-ups. Now, Hitchcock worked in a different era where we didn't have small screen. Everything was big screen. Everything was on a theater. So a close-up was a massive face up on the screen. And I'm sure that has a little bit more dramatic impact if you do some research than a close-up on a 32-inch television. But if we think about it not so much as size of the image for the audience, but if we think about it maybe in terms of intimacy, which I think is a little bit more applicable to today's filmmaking, you save those intimate close-ups for when you need them, for when they're really going to do their most good. And similarly, he says that you, you should save your wide shots because the wide shot can, can communicate a sense of loneliness or a sense of despair for a character. And you need to save those for the moments when those are most applicable. Now, just because a close-up communicates intimacy or a wide shot can communicate loneliness doesn't mean that those are the only things that they can communicate. You need to kind of have a, have a lens through which you're making these decisions. You need to, you know, again, this is where understanding your story comes from. But you have a lot of tools. Camera movement is a tool, but maybe not one that needs to be used all the time. Maybe it needs to be saved for specific moments. You know, very German expressionist lighting um, maybe needs to be saved for specific moments. And if you look at, at Hitch's body of work, even just up to this point that we've talked about, he saved ideas and technical challenges and tools for specific moments, for specific stories, for specific beats, scenes, for specific characters even. And that's something that I think is crucial to, the, to, to this kind of storytelling especially. Because as the director, you're not only directing the actors on the set and directing the camera, you're directing the audience. If you think about it that way, you're directing how the audience feels if you're doing your job right. You're directing what they see, how they experience the story. And that's something that Hitchcock talks about at, at length, is this ability to, to influence the audience by the decisions that you make as a filmmaker, and I hope we get to that at some point. Yeah, that actually wasn't as long as I, as I thought it was going to be. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we're going to get back on track at some point here. Hopefully uh, in the near future I have, I have some more time to really do my, really do my homework. Uh, we're also getting to a point where... Hitch, some of these movies Hitch didn't talk a lot about, and I think we're going to get to a point where uh, where we where we have some variation there and some more points that Hitch talked about certain movies, um, so that maybe we can go a little bit more in depth. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't feel great about this episode. If you feel better about this episode, let me know. If you feel worse about this episode, let me know. You can reach me at HitchcockUniversity at gmail.com. You can also uh, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to this show. Uh, iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, whatever it may be. 
Um, or you can uh, reach out to us at Hitchcock University on Facebook or Hitchcock underscore you on Twitter. Uh, thanks for listening again. Um, it's been a pretty good class session, I feel like. Uh, we will resume class in two weeks. Uh, thanks again for being here. And thanks again for attending Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters.